So this is a bonus episode that I wanted to drop before we start season two. And it makes sense just because of the realities of what's going on in our industry and what's going on in the economy that we sort of uh, make everybody aware of opportunities to maybe get some uh, some substantive projects uh, for uh, on a sort of an independent strategist basis. If you're interested in that, I wanted to take the opportunity here to introduce you to Brand Federation. And you can reach them at brandfederation.com. And uh, this came this came to to my attention because an old friend of mine uh, is one of the partners and the managing directors of Brand Federation in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, his name is Matt Williams. And um, while most of their work right now is in the U.S., given the fact that this podcast uh, has an international following, I also think it's important for international uh, strategists to realize that you can sign up with Brand Federation, and that will give them sort of the stimulus to begin to generate uh, more international projects. So if you if you have that if you have that interest, go ahead and do sign up for them. Uh, one of the things that Matt mentions in here is their strong need for people in digital strategy. I know everything's digital these days, but uh, and also data analytics strategy. But that's not to say that they don't have interest in every other area. So if you have specific experience, be sure to uh, reach out to them. This is Matt Williams and uh, the Brand Federation in Richmond, Virginia. Enjoy. So welcome, Matt. Good to have you here. It's been too many years since we had a good conversation. Far too long, Fergus. And uh, the only thing missing is uh, the beers in front of us. And the darts, of course. And the darts. There were a lot of darts, yes. I think I beat you consistently. Yeah, probably, because you're taller than <laughs> me. <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, Matt and I uh, worked together at the Martin Agency way back when. And um, I was a really bad account executive who loved the work. So uh, what ended up happening is I no longer was an account executive. And so one of the things I always remember from the Martin Agency was working, and you you did the same thing. We would work late nights with Earl Cox. Oh, yeah. And so Earl would come around to your office, and Earl at the time was kind of head of business development. There wasn't even a formalized planning group at that time. But mm-hmm. Earl would kind of come by your office at uh, 2 o'clock, for example, in the afternoon and say, could you go to Philly tonight? And um, <laughs> That's right. You remember that shit? And so <laughs> yeah. he'd be like, we're doing these groups for this pitch for Coke, for example. And uh, we need somebody to go there to uh, to watch these groups. At that time, it was mm-hmm. Alan Newman Research, right? Yeah, And so right. we'd jump that's on right. a plane and we'd go and and um, be at the groups. And then we'd, we'd have to come back and edit the groups. And yep. so I would do that. I loved doing that, man. That was, that, that's where my love for planning started out. Just that, just doing that work for new business pitches and yeah. seeing how you it know contributed. What? Fergus, if you, if you loved editing videotape of focus groups, then you truly love planning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know, the shit is nobody does. Nobody, no, most planners don't even use focus groups anymore. And I'm, and I'm not just talking about the, the formality of the, behind the, the mirror, but the whole concept of uh, qualitative research has completely changed since then. People aren't doing it. And, and yeah. I, I think it's an unfortunate thing because there is a value to doing them. It's not, it's not the answer to everything, but they can be used if they're used in a smart way. There is a role for them. But it yeah, is, uh, I, I think there's great value in qualitative research. There was all, there's always a, 
there's an there was an unavoidable kind of artifice to a focus group setting that always put in the back of my head. I don't know if it had this effect on you, but in the back of my head, there was always this thing that was caused by the artificial setting of focus groups that made me think, is this really real? Are they do they really think this or are they just trying to impress the people in the room with them or you know, this carefully disguised one-way mirror that's behind them. They know we're sitting back there taking notes. They're going to tell us what they think they want to hear. And to me, the art of focus groups was in, number one, the, getting the right people in the room. Number two, a really great moderator. And number three, the people behind the mirror knowing how to separate the bullshit from the real insight. That's where yeah. focus groups were helpful. Yeah. And, and also I think a good moderator, a great moderator is able to read the body language and, and the, uh, the, the uh, sort of the psychology of the people in the room and understand the difference between what they say and what they mean. And, and you can mm -hmm. do some exercises in that environment that feel authentic, Yeah, but it's true. It is an artificial environment. So, so that limits the things that you can do in there. And I remember back in those times, we had this quirky approach where we would, we would, um, we would basically test uh, what were they called benefit boards, yeah. and I mean, in, in retrospect, that was such a crazy shit thing to do. <laughs> I mean, th talk about a force bias. I mean, it was whack, but we did, and that yep. was at the time that was the thing to do. That was the thing to do, and those things became the foundation for just about every strategy we we That's did. Right. It was, it's yeah. amazing, yeah. and it was incredibly effective in new business. It absolutely was. And some really good work came out of it, I have to say. Hell yeah, yes, it, did. Yeah. it was effective. God, I remember those early days. I would sit, um, I remember uh, Drew Menza hired me back then. Uh, he's since passed yep. away. But Drew, uh, yep. Drew hired me. And I remember the first couple of days I was in the office back in the, the Allen, Allen Park or was Allen Drive or Allen something? Allen Avenue. Allen Avenue. And, and um, I remember going into that. Um, production room that was in the back hallway on the creative floor and it was where all the three-quarter inch uh, tapes were of all the history of the work of the martin agency and i would go in and just sit in um, morty's chair back in there and watch the tv and, and yeah. play these spots and i was just thinking jesus man i am amongst geniuses because yeah. the quality of the work uh back then was so original so extraordinary and uh and to think that i was surrounded by those people uh, was magic yeah. for me really I, but it I was, was it was an amazing place I, I remember there was a moment when i was walking through the halls one day when i was a junior planner thinking like i had to kind of pinch myself to say i make a i make a decent living working with my friends in this treehouse every day this is so fun yeah you know the poor suckers who don't have a job as awesome as mine <laughs> you know yeah. and, it, and it really did feel that way for a long time it was Hell back yeah. in the, the golden age of you know when 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 advertising really was about the purity of ideas and the commitment to insights and great creative thinking you know crystallized down into a a well-articulated brilliant thought and it's still a kick i mean that's that's still where the juice comes from, you know? But yeah. man, it was happening a lot back then. It was a really cool place to be. And I, I hope, I, I'm not sure that the Martin Agency is as famous today as it was back then. I know, because I think everything's changed so much. But for those who don't know, the Martin Agency is in Richmond, Virginia. And, and Richmond, Virginia is a small town, small city, it's not a town, it's a city. Um, but it's sort of, it's not unlike uh, Portland, uh, Wyden in Portland, that um, that 
the Martin Agency is the same thing in Richmond. I mean, it is the, it's the player, the thing. Beyond the brand center, it's the thing in advertising in the Southeast, right? For the most part. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. I, I think it's, uh, it, yeah, there, there have been some really interesting, uh, you know, upstart agencies in Richmond in the last four or five years. They're doing some some pretty cool stuff, like Arts and Letters, uh, which is a, an agency that just started a couple of years ago here in Richmond, is doing some great work um, for Google, especially. Um, so there are, there are other players popping up in, in Richmond, but Martin Agency is still the, it's still the big dog in town. Yeah, and it's uh, and and it's it's got it's got a, gr- a great storied uh, history and and the uh, and is uh, still a uh, still a great shop. Now, I I um as I say, I was a bad account person and I moved on to other pastures, but I will say this: I think in retrospect, um, I've never, except for one or two occasions, and I've been to maybe three or four shops since my time at the Martin Agency. Now, I've on very few occasions gotten the feeling I consistently got at the Martin agency when I looked, looked at creative work. I remember it, it was that, was that feeling that just literally made the hair on the back of my neck stand up when guys would come in and girls would come in with their concepts and put it on the ground in front of you. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. No, that is it. And I never got that. You know, I got, I got, I got it. I never got it as frequently as I did at the Martin Agency. So I always look fondly back on that time. It was really brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's a real luxury to be able to work at a place where you know that if you put in the, the sweat and the work and the thinking to come up with a brief that you think is truly interesting and really insightful, that when you give that brief to a creative team, you're going to get something back that's not only strategically on par, but creatively something you never would have thought about. Uh, and and it just kind of it shoots electricity through you when you see it. It's awesome, and that it happened really a is, lot. Yeah. You could count on that. Would you Martin. describe? I was having a conversation the other day uh, about about sort of uh, culture, popular culture, yeah. and subcultures in 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 advertising work. How would you describe the uh, in in uh, when you when you think of the Martin Agency and the type of work it does? How would you describe what it what it is representative of or mostly rooted in? I think Fergus, it's rooted in a uh, there's a there's a regular person sensibility in the work that Martin has always done. Um, you know, when 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 we were there, we didn't do a lot of kind of high flying, uh, super sexy, fashion, trendy kind of advertising. There was a there's a there's a purity to the voice, and there's a resonance that kind of lives in the in the regular people world that, that Martin did. Um, they could, they could speak in a way that resonates with the, the vast majority of people in the, in the country. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a particular talent that the agency had for that. I agree with that because the conversation I was having was that I never saw and have never seen work out of the Martin agency that I thought was reflective of leading edge culture or popular no. culture. But you're right. The way you described it is perfect. It 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 didn't need to be. It's not a it's not a a, a, a negative. It's not a diss towards the agency, but it, it's it's it was never doing cutting edge culture, uh, you know, leading edge cultural or work that was rooted in leading edge culture. No, we, we used to we used to fight that too. We used to we used to say, "Gosh, I wish we could be more that way. I wish we could be more on the leading edge." And 
And, and, and we finally came to grips with the idea that, you know what, we're, we're sitting here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we're, we're living in, you know, we're living more, most of us are living in suburban areas with, you know, three bedroom houses and two car garages and a couple of kids. Uh, we don't live in Manhattan. We don't live in LA. We're, we're embedded in the fabric of kind of everyday American life. Why don't we embrace that and use that voice? That's what's natural for us. And, and we got really good at it. So I left, uh, obviously, and you stayed there and became, uh, ultimately became CEO. So I, did, uh, yeah. I was like super proud of what you did there, man. It was fantastic. Oh, so thank you. you, thank you. You went from being a, 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 a terrific planner to then being CEO. So, I mean, that, and, and, and then I want to transition to talk about brand federation in the same context, which is, so sure. the skills you learned from planning, did you miss that when you became CEO? Was it, or was CEO your ambition at that time? It was funny. I, you know, I went on a, a journey that's very similar to yours, which was I started in account management and realized I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and, and that the part of account management that I loved was the part that I got to do when I was doing planning because there wasn't a planning department, just like yeah. when you were there, yeah. you know, and we were both, you know, wet behind the years account executives who, who some of the parts of the job we did really well, but some parts we really struggled with. And, and you and I both had that same kind of love for the strategy and the consumer insight and, and the research and working with creatives to make sure that that insight came through in an amazing idea. And it, lo and behold, that's planning. And, and, you moved on to do it in other shops, but I actually moved on to do it at Martin and I did it with Earl Cox for 15 years. Um, and I still, I still see Earl, um, a couple times a month. Um, but, but, you know, he was kind of the, the planning mentor for me for years. And I worked in that planning department forever and loved every minute of it. It was great. And, you know, when you, when you move into a management role, it's a completely different kind of challenge. And, and your job is not to, to do the work. Your job is to try to create an environment where the people who do the work can do the work in an amazing way, can do the best work they're capable of doing. And that's, a, that's an awesome challenge. It's hard and it's different and, it's, and it's, it's motivating and can be inspiring and can be frustrating and all those things. But at the, I, I kept missing doing the planning. And I, and I would I would go to these these client meetings every once in a while, and they would be client strategy sessions, and I'd sit in them and love every second of it, yeah, and yeah. and and realize like, man, I miss this. I miss getting my hands dirty and writing a strategy and talking about business and talking about marketing and and man, I love this because when you get into management, you realize that you're you're running a company, and at some level, the things you spend most of your time doing when you run that company are the things that you would be doing no matter what business that company was in. You could be a widget company and That's you're still right. going to be thinking about staffing and margin and revenue growth and all, you know, and you necessarily get removed from the day-to-day -day work. And I loved that work. So I, I missed planning. So, so not only is it sort of the sense that, um, that it could be a, a widget company or a creative company and those, and these sort of pressures of managing at that level, but also the fact that you've, you're dealing with a holding company and the holding company is not necessarily uh, devoted to creativity as much as they are to margin, right? Uh, you know, they, uh, I was lucky because I worked for, I, I worked with a holding company who gets the power of creativity. They were really good. Um, and yeah, they're business people, um, but we all are. Uh, so, 
So I, I actually found them to be to be pretty good. Um, it's just that it's less about the pressures of the holding company because our holding company understood the business that we were in and wanted us to be a great creative company. It's that the, the the thing you spend your time doing as a general manager is just different from the things you spend your time doing as a planner. And I miss those things. You know, yeah. I miss the the things that planners do. So um, you have gotten together with uh, a number of guys in Richmond and some that I remember, these guys that have been around Richmond advertising and marketing circles for, for years, different, different roles. And so you guys decided, uh, decided to start something called a brand federation. And I'd, um, obviously this makes a ton of sense to have you on, not only because uh, we're friends from the, from back in the day, but more importantly, what brand federation is doing is, uh, it couldn't be more timely, right? And, um, given what we're all going through right now. So can you tell us, uh, what brand federation is and tell us a little bit briefly about who's, who's in the leadership roles there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, um, brand federation was an idea that came from a guy named Kelly O'Keefe. And like you said, Fergus Kelly's been around Richmond for decades and he's started and sold a couple of different agencies. Um, he actually started the very first digital agency here in, in Richmond back in the nineties. Um, and was Adweek Agency of the Year uh, back then because he had just paved the digital, super smart, a good guy. And Kelly and I had known each other. We've known each other for over 20 years because we kicked around Richmond together in the advertising business. And, um, and, and he talked to me about this idea, which seemed like such a brilliant thing. And his idea is that, that it's amazing to watch this, the strategic disciplines sort of fragment. So in an old agency environment that we were used to, there was, you know, you maybe had a planner or two on any given business. And that planner's job was to handle anything strategic that had to be handled on behalf of that client. And now you've got, you know, digital and social planners and comms planners and brand planners and, and customer experience planners. And, you know, the, the planning discipline for good reasons has fractured into lots of different, different areas. At the same time, you have marketers and agencies being forced to do more with less and have less staff, and they're they're unable to hire um, strategy people who to do all those important things. Um, third thing that's happening is you've got the growth of an amazing network of freelancers in the in the world who are are freelance strategists who choose to be freelance strategists. They do it because they're good enough to do it on their own terms. And Kelly's insight was, why don't we create a network of those freelance strategists and connect them with consulting and brand strategy and comms strategy and digital strategy projects um, with clients and marketers, uh, with marketers and agencies who need their services, but can't afford to hire somebody full time. And that's what Brand Federation does. So we treat it, um, we treat it like a consultancy, where we've got this network that has grown to over 250 people uh, all over the U.S. and some outside the U.S. of really talented independent strategists, and we work with them to connect them with agencies and marketers who need their services. So this this starts off with obviously a need to recruit a lot of of uh, a lot of talent to sort of yeah. create a, uh, create a, a base of um, a sort of, a, at least a, a network 
a network. And, and is that, is that the, uh, are you still building that network or is it sort of in a place where you're comfortable? You know, we're, we're always building it. So we're always looking for super talented strategists in every discipline. Um, so the, the way it works is if, if you, if you go to brand federations website, um, you can apply to be a member of the network and we'll ask you for your background and your specialty and the kind of things you want to do. And we'll have a phone conversation with you to vet you and make sure you're a good cultural fit with what we want to do. And if you are, then you become a member of the brand federation network. Um, so yeah, we're always looking for, for talented strategists to add to the network. We're only as strong as the network of people we have. But what can strategists expect from their connection to brand federation would it be should it be considered something that augments your other freelance sources or is it something that could actually fuel uh, a, 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 your, your freelance work throughout the year i mean should i should it be should it be a one-off thing or is it more than that do you think I, I think it should be part of your portfolio right so if you're if you're a freelance if you're an independent strategist yeah the, the word freelance carries some some assumptions that i'm trying to get rid of so we're trying to call we're, we're calling them independent strategists if you're an independent strategist um and you're interested in brand federation you never become an exclusive uh employee of brand federation we don't do that so you're free to get all the work you want on your own from whatever sources you should think of Brand Federation as another affiliation you have that can bring other business to you. But beyond that, it's also a community that you're joining of other really talented independent strategists. So the one thing we know about the independent life is that it can be kind of lonely and a little bit solitary. And, and that's one of the things we want to solve here is that, that when you join Brand Federation, not only do you get um, work when we find work that fits your skills, you also have membership of a community that you can collaborate with, that you can reach into to, uh, to join forces with other people in Brand Federation. You can share your knowledge with them. Uh, we have network-wide meetings where our members will present new research techniques or really interesting campaigns they've worked on so you can share uh, your knowledge that way. So the community aspect of it's important too. So do you find that you have sort of gaps in your talent pool right now where, where you're looking for uh, people that come from a certain discipline within strategy. Uh, you know, every client wants digital strategy. I mean, there, there's 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 no client who doesn't want that. Um, so so we're always looking to 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 build up that area. But but depending on the kind of assignment we have, and we can take just about any assignment. We can do we can we can fit people with you know a, a three week fast turn engagement for an agency who's a, who has a pitch and needs a couple of planners all the way to a really complicated six month brand strategy engagement where we're assembling a team of brand federation members that has four people on it and assigning them to that six month uh, engagement anything in between so so digital strategy is always in demand but we can find we can find work for just about any strategist of any discipline. What is the definition of digital strategy these these days? Isn't everything digital? Oh my God, I wish I knew, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so what you'll have is a client who, who will say, oh, we know we need to be smarter in digital and we need digital strategy. We don't know how to do that. Um, I, th- I think there's, there's clearly a set of skills that are resident in somebody who, um, who grew up in strategy in the digital world. Everybody, all of us, even old guys like us, right, need to be need to be good at digital strategy. Um, but there's a there's a set of skills that that a person who calls herself or himself a digital strategist is going to have, and 
and and clients are in particular looking for that. So how do I how do I knit together my presence on the digital platforms in a way that's that's good for my business, that addresses the needs of my target audience, that that flows out content in the right ways at the right times and for the right reasons. Um, and how do I measure that and optimize it as I go? So the other one we get lots of calls for is data analytics. We need we need a data strategy. We need an analytics strategy. So somebody who can come into a to a to a client business, whether it's a marketer or an agency, and understand the technology of data analytics and the 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 uh, how to how to gather insights from a massive amount of data. Um, those are very much in demand as well. So are you, would you say that you're sort of the canvas that you work within is um, the world of marketing strategy or business strategy or do you, or how would you blend them or weight them? You know, I, I think it's marketing strategy. So, so if I get into, if I think of business strategy, I'm thinking of kind of what McKinsey would do in a manufacturing right. company. We don't, we don't do that. Um, we also don't do creative. So you're not going to go into brand federation and find a lot of independent copywriters, art directors, creative directors. We don't do that. We're really focused on strategy uh, and marketing strategy. So when you, when a strategist, an independent strategist is thinking of approaching you guys, uh, how do you vet them? And then how, and then what's the revenue opportunity, the revenue model, the revenue split with them? And how do you define sort of what their hourly rate or scoped, uh, rate would be yeah so as far as rate goes they tell us so let's say fergus o'carroll wants to join brand federation so you would fill out the application online and that application is going to ask you for your your experience the brands you've worked on the categories you're comfortable in and or experienced in and the disciplines that you that you are good at are you a comms planner brand planner you know what kind of planning discipline are you good at You'll submit that to us and you'll have a phone conversation with one of us at Brand Federation. Um, assuming you pass that phone conversation or we find ourselves kind of simpatico and we want the same things, um, you would join the network. And if I have a, uh, an assignment that comes through that I feel like, wow, Fergus would be a really good fit for you, I'm simply going to call you and say, hey, Fergus, here's the client. Here's the scope. Here's, here's the timing. Are you interested? Are you available? Let's say you say yes. My next question is going to be, okay, how much would you charge for something like that? And you're going to give me a number. It's either going to be a big number, uh, an all-in number, or an hourly rate, however we decide the best way to do that is. And I'm going to mark that up. So Brand Federation makes its money not by taking it from you, but by marking it up and passing it on to the client. Right. So I'll then bundle that information together in a proposal that we send to a client um, and say, hey, Here's the scope as I understand it. Here's the proposal. And here's Fergus O'Carroll. He's brilliant. Here's how much this is going to cost. And it's just one number that we present to a client. We don't get into hourly rates and all that stuff. We just say, here it is. Uh, and, and if the client's good, then I'll call you back and say, we're good to go. You know, one of the things that I've, that I've always felt when I look, because I've looked at the application for Brand Federation, and it's super simple. So for anybody who wants to go there and check it out, it's not a complex thing. You're not going to be banging your head up against the wall. It's very simple and, and, uh, and, and really terrific. The one thing I would find myself as a strategist doing is almost checking all of these boxes. Maybe it's because I've been in the business for a while, but I almost feel that as planners and strategists, we've almost done everything. But it, so how do you, how can you help a planner decide on which boxes to check? Is it what you love to do or is what you're capable of doing? 
it's, it should be what you love to do. It's a great question. So, so I, I don't want a planner who goes through and says, well, you know, I'm going to check every box because I'll take, take anything I can get. What, what I want you to do is to think, like, think really critically about the kind of engagements you would be super psyched to work on and, and pick those three or four disciplines. Don't, don't just, don't just like walk into the elevator and hit all the buttons, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, pick the ones that you think you are going to be best because I want to make sure that when I call you with an assignment, it's an assignment that you're really excited to get. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what levels of experience are you, are you, are you after? Is there, is there room for junior versus more director level? There, there actually is. So part of the benefit of the model, honestly, is that we can take pretty much any engagement that a market or an agency wants to give us. Um, we find a lot of agencies calling in a new business context and saying, you know, I don't, I don't need a senior vice president level planning director. I've got one of those. I need a planner who can come in and do the research and do the secondary and boil this thing down into insights and feed it into the, into the pitch because I don't have those staff. Um, so we have those. We also have fortune 500 companies who want a big brand refresh and I need a senior level strategist to lead that brand refresh. So, so we, uh, we have room for just about every level. And so for those strategists that are used to and kind of feel it's sort of their strength, in, in, in so far as their um, engagement with creative talent, how, how are they or at what point or are they at all involved with creative talent uh, in sort of brand federation assignments that, that involve the ultimate development of a creative product? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's almost inevitable that at the end of these strategic engagements, some client is going to look at us and say, wow, this is a brilliant strategy. Thanks for doing it. How do I get this done? <laughs> so either we can help them, we can refer them to creative resource, resources. Maybe they have an agency that they want to work with uh, to, to get this executed. And at that point, almost every time we're able to say, you know what, you need to, you need to, to agree to some sort of level of continuing involvement from the brand federation person or people to help make sure that this strategy comes to life the right way and create it. Um, so, so more often than not, um, I would say 80% of the time that strategist is going to continue working with, uh, with creative people to make that, to make that happen. If the nature of that assignment is advertising, often it's not, sometimes our client call, call our clients call us and they're not calling about an ad campaign. They're not calling about something that's going to be sent off to an ad agency and created as a, you know, as a, as a, as an ad campaign or even a digital campaign, they want help with innovation. They want help with brand positioning or uh, product development. So that's, what's, what's been interesting about taking the strategic discipline that we lose, that we, that we learn in the agency, but being able to apply it to all the aspects of marketing. I remember when I first heard about brand federation, one of the things that I was struck by, I was, I was thinking to myself, what if you've got 20 strategists that are focused on digital strategy. How do you select which one is going to get that project? And is there a, a sense of is there a sense of responsibility to be fair and spreading the work out? It's less about spreading the work. The most important thing is making sure that we're assigning the work to the perfect people, um, and that's a function of the match between the nature of the work and the skills of the people. Right. So we we tend to look at people through three different lenses when we assign work. One is category experience. So let's say I've got a pharma client who wants to do a 
uh, a new product development project. Um, I want uh, a strategist who is knowledgeable about pharma. So category experience. Discipline experience is the second one. Um, do I need a digital strategist, a comms planner, and a brand planner on this on this project? Do the I, I want to make sure the people I put on the project have the right discipline expertise. And then the third is a situational expertise. Are you do you know how to launch a new product? Do you know how to reposition a brand? Do you know how to handle a merger and acquisition, an integration and a merger and acquisition? So if I can if I can find strategists who check all three of those boxes for any given assignment then I know that strategist is a perfect fit for this, for this uh, piece of work. So that, that's what we're looking at more so than kind of making sure we spread the work. We want to make sure we match the work correctly. Right. And then um, my understanding is that uh, you are one of your partners is always sort of leading each major assignment, particularly if it's a consulting project, right? Uh, we are in, we are involved. The level of our involvement varies dramatically. So if we're dealing with a, um, there are people on our network who are just as senior as you or I would be, and they don't need me supervising them and looking over their shoulders. So I never would do that. So in those kind of situations, we will, you know, we'll, we'll stay involved to the extent that, that the client wants to know there's somebody at Brand Federation they can call if they have a problem or a question to ask about how the project is, is being administered. But we're not going to be looking over the shoulder of those strategists as they do their work. Um, there are other times where, you know, the, the, the scope of the project and, the, and what the client needs, they need a more mid-level junior planner who actually wants somebody like me or Kelly or Dennis um, helping supervise their work. And we're happy to do that, too. So our level of involvement depends on the, the need of the planner and the client. So one of the other things that's cool about it is, is the way that you compensate. Can you talk about how you sort of um, how you're able to get money or at least get, get some flow of, of money going to a strategist rather than them having to wait till a client pays? Yeah, it's, it's super simple. Um, number one, we don't take it out of the strategist's fees. We mark up their fees and we take the markup, right? So you're going to still get paid what you would build a normal client that you got on your, on your own. Second thing is that if, if you have a three-month engagement, let's say you have a three-month engagement, we're going to take the accounts receivable risk from you. So we're going to take the number we agreed to at the beginning of that engagement and, the client, and that the client signed off on that you're entitled to for that engagement. We're going to divide it in threes and pay it to you every month during that three-month engagement. What that means is if the client has a 90-day payment policy or, God forbid, 120 days, that's not going to hurt you. You don't have to wait three months for your payment. We're going to pay you. You're going to get paid from Brand Federation. That client's going to then pay Brand Federation um, and we take that risk. So, so it, it tends to smooth out the cash flow for independent strategists and people, people for understandable reasons, they like that. Yeah. I always remember, um, I remember this particular situation. I was, I was working with the client with an agency in New York who had a client that I was working on that client and the, uh, the, the lead on the business uh, came to me when I went for, I asked about payment of my invoice and uh, the guy came to me and he said, well, they haven't paid us yet. And yeah. I'm like, are you out of your goddamn mind, man? I don't exactly. care whether they haven't <laughs> paid right. you yet. I'm not that working for like them. That sounds like your problem. Yes, exactly. That sounds like your problem. So that, that's a, it's amazing. And I, and I did it, 
for, for, you know, for a year after I left Martin, I was doing some consulting projects and it's amazing how much time you spend thinking about cash flow. And you say, oh my God, I wrapped up this project 60 days ago and I still haven't seen a dime. How do I pay my mortgage? Um, yeah. It's a huge problem. And independent strategists don't want to spend their time thinking about that. They want to spend their time thinking about insights and strategy and doing all the stuff they love doing. So we take that away. I think that most uh, most good strategists are sort of like squirrels, meaning that we gather things and we kind of stock them away for the... Uh, uh, we even though we don't need to do it in a world of things that are digital, we have files everywhere, right? Uh, yeah. But but we also recognize that when we're discon disconnected from an agency, we don't necessarily have access to syndicated research and syndicated content. But you guys yeah. uh, provide access to that, right? Tell us a little bit about we what do. you provide. Yeah, we we do have some, uh, and as we grow, we want to do more. So so that's another thing that 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 anybody who's done independent strategy knows that man. When you leave an agency, you start to realize how much for granted you take the access to things like Statista and MRI, you know? Right, right. Um, and then you look into signing up for yourself and it costs you an arm and a leg. Um, so right now we have open access for all of our consultants to Statista, um, which is a really cool, um, useful tool. Um, and as we grow, we want to add to that portfolio. What is that? Is that a sort of a... Uh, is it trends oriented? I, I know the name, but I don't know specifically what's in there. I can't remember. Can you remember? Yeah, it's like it's like a combination of trends and demographic and psychographic data. It's it's okay. like an MRI, um, right. but it's not as deep and detailed as MRI. So okay. we we will we will be adding more to that portfolio uh, that consultants can access as we grow. So I've been lucky that the, uh, at least half of my audience is outside of North America, which has been awesome. And we feature a lot of uh, strategists from overseas on the episode. So is there, is there plans for international assignment opportunities or is it just, is it just North American right now? Oh, no, I, I, wanted, I want us to dominate the known universe. <laughs> so no, we, we, yes, we, we Oh, you mean only the known wanna, universe? Okay, all right. Well, I mean, it's the limit of human knowledge. It's, oh, it's that's okay. Well, we'll give you, we'll give you yeah. that. <laughs> um, no, we we do want to uh, do projects outside the U.S. We haven't yet. Now we do have some people in our network who are outside the U.S. So when those opportunities come and we're able to find them, we have people that we can that we can connect them connect them up with. So. I would encourage anybody outside the U.S. to look into Brand Federation because um, we do. We definitely want to work uh, across borders. What, what, what I found is that you know planners, because and, and strategists, because we're so we tend to be inherently curious people. Um, we tend to we tend to want to work without borders. We tend to want to engage in, in in assignments and brands and thinking that that might be in Europe, might be in Asia, might be in the US, who knows? That's part of what makes the business so intriguing. So we definitely want to offer those kind of uh, opportunities, independent strategists. So I think it'll, I, it'll be the way we attract the best people right. into the network. So obviously we're in a uh, kind of a crisis in most areas of society, most corners of society, and most, uh, most aspects of business. What do you what do you see when you look out 12, 18 months from now? What's what what does a recovery look like, and and how do you think the industry is going to react to it? Oh man, um, uh, it's it's 
it, it's hard to it's hard to make these kind of predictions. In some ways, it's the safest thing to do because nobody's ever going to hold you accountable, and on others, it's the dumbest thing you can do because you're always going to be wrong. But oh, and we can all I, and we can also edit this. <laughs> exactly, <that's> right. <laughs> we can change it later. Perfect. I love it. Um, I I think what we're already seeing on the agency side of the business is a pretty dramatic reduction in the size of of agencies for understandable reasons. It's the same reason lots of other businesses are having dramatic reductions in size. I think what we'll see in those businesses, agencies included, is that they're they're going to cut very quickly because they know what they're dealing with, but they're going to restaff very slowly because they don't know what they're dealing with in terms of, of, of recovery. They don't know whether COVID-19 is going to come back again in the fall and then come back again next spring. And and the last thing you want if you're an agency or any company is to keep, you know, restaffing and downsizing and restaffing and downsizing in a dramatic way. So I think we're going to have quick reductions that we're seeing now and slow restaffing, which I think is actually going to open up lots of opportunities for independent strategists because the work is going to come back faster than the willingness to staff will come back. And that means that both marketers and clients are going to need more flexible access to talented people. So, so I think it's going to help us. I also think that there's great, there's a great, there's a, there's a high likelihood and I'm not sure the degree to which it will be adopted, but I think there's a very high likelihood that we're going to get more comfortable with decentralized teams and the idea yeah. that talent, that great talent, uh, can be working in in uh, in Spain on for an agency in New York, and we yeah. actually have the ability to feel a lot more comfortable with that because the, we're being forced into dealing with it. So, the definition of a centralized agency uh, may be very different when we come out of this. I think that's exactly right. I, I, I've I've told friends when we've mused about what we think will not snap back after the COVID-19 shock that if I were in commercial real estate, I'd be scared to death because all the companies who had been reluctant to allow their staff to work remotely because they didn't know how productive it would be are now realizing, you know what, it's kind of, it's more productive than I thought. And my staff really likes it. And if I let people work a day a week remotely, I can cut 20% out of my real estate overhead right now. And I think that's going to happen. I think moreover, what's going to happen is what you said, which is that people are going to start to realize, wow, you know what, I can use all this technology to my benefit more so than I thought I could. And I can be really productive working with distributed people. And when I do that, I get access to amazing pools of talent because my pool is no longer limited geographically by the city I'm in or the office I'm in. I can reach all over the world. And that's pretty cool. So how do you ultimately ensure that you don't become the very problem you're trying to solve? It's a, it's a great question. There's a gravitational pull <laughs> in, the, in the business model we've built to you know, all of a sudden become essentially a distributed advertising agency. And, and that's not what we want to do. Um, so one way, one way you do it is to make sure that you're attracting a really wide range of strategists so not just people who worked in advertising agencies, but people who are former marketing directors and former CMOs. And, um, and maybe some of, some of the people on our network are academics. They're people who consult in addition to their job as a professor somewhere. So a wide range of talent is one way. And the second is, like I talked about before, we made a conscious decision not to get into the creative business. We're, we're, we're not, 
we don't offer a brand federation creative capability. Um, we found when we did that, because we, we tried it a few times, we found that when we did that, we very quickly became account executives. And we didn't want to do that. Um, so, so I think if we do those two things, we can keep focused on the part of the business that we want to build um, without being pulled into you know, looking up one day and finding that we're nothing more than a distributed advertising agency. So it's it's interesting to me because I can only imagine that you're not going to have a problem with the quality of talent because you've got you've got you've got the international landscape to pull talent from. Um, yeah. But creating creating the uh, the demand from a client or the supplier of projects has got to be the strategic challenge of that business, right? I mean, how do you how is is that? I mean, you could be just bringing in tons of business. And and there'll never be enough to, to that's feed exactly the supply. It. That's exactly it. So so you've put your finger on the strategic challenge of our business is that supply grows faster than demand does. So, you know, when, when I started with Kelly, you know, he had been working in this for probably six months when I started as a partner. And a year later, you know, when I started six months in, we had maybe 20 or 30 people in our network. We now have over 250 on the on the strategist side. Nice. Trying to feed that network is the challenge. How do we build the volume of assignments from the clients and the and the agencies to feed that network? Because the network is going to grow really, really quickly. You're you're totally right. Yeah, and that's why we're focused time. on more of a kind of a volume driven uh, business development side right now. Just before we wrap up, how how do uh, how best to connect with Brand Federation? Do you want to give any numbers, uh, URLs, or how do you want to do that for people who are, who are interested in learning more? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to brandfederation.com. Um, all the all the information about the leadership and the way we work and the, the the proposition of the of the organization is all right there. As is the application. If you're interested, fill out the application, and we'll be uh, we'll be right back in touch with you. Yeah, and, and just for everybody out there who's considering this, and if maybe you're not considering it for yourself, but get the word out to people that you know, post it up on LinkedIn and the other social platforms. And um, are you guys are you guys on Twitter at all, or is uh, is there any is, uh, is, are any of you guys up there? We don't have we do have a LinkedIn uh, presence. We don't have a Twitter handle. Okay. So breadfederation.com and then Brand Federation on LinkedIn are probably the two best ways to get a hold of us. All right, Matt Williams, managing partner, Brand Federation in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for thanks for coming on the episode, and you know, hopefully, this will this will be useful for people. Maybe not right now, but as things begin to roll out, people who need extra work or need a side hustle, this uh, this could be it. Yeah, thank you, Fergus. It's been great to great to catch up. Yeah, Fears and sure. darts next time. Fears and darts for sure. <laughs> All right, we'll see everybody in the next episode.